0: You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megidoradio.com. That's megidoradio.com. Welcome everybody, this is Paul Flynn with Magidda Radio for Tuesday the 5th of July 2022, thank you all for tuning in. On today's program we're going to be doing, uh, well we're going to start talking about the internet first, Uh, that's a major topic that I want to cover on this program. We may at the end, depending on how things go, we may look at uh, the 7th command as we're going through the the Westminster Catechism, but if we don't get to that by the end of the program I'm planning the program to be no longer than 50-55 minutes, something around around that length then we'll do it on the next program Lord willing there's no real specific topic per se, but probably um, probably something I've said in the past but never dedicated a program towards it, which is my concern about the internet. Now I've done programs before and different things. I've been concerned about it and and society has changed, has it? I think we've we've kind of seen and we've seen a lot more of the um the different movements that have emerged over the last ten years. And not every part of those movements has been bad. Some things have have been good um sometimes they will expose some of the sins of the past and sometimes they'll overcorrect, if you know what I mean. Uh so just with I think in large amounts of the internet and, and especially with the last two years, especially since COVID, a lot of people who wouldn't have normally been online are now online and maybe speaking more positively about it. And it just depends how you use the internet. It can be a great tool. It can be a great help. I don't want to be coming on here saying it's terrible. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? You're probably listening to me now on the internet. So that would be kind of silly. But um, well, there are definitely dangers. And I think we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of the impact it has on our health, um, especially mental health and other things like that. So, especially when it comes to we'll start off talking about journalism and kind of i don't know is it the chicken or the egg? Would this have happened anyway is 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 the the poor standard of journalism what's really harming you could say the internet today, or is it the internet? And its need, almost, of incessant clicks and views and eyeballs and all that kind of thing. A lot different to buying the newspaper years ago, forcing a lot more kind of clickbait. uh, Forcing a lot more yellow journalism. And now, a lot of people... there's, there's been people I've seen over the years, and they've done some good journalism in the past, Christians, and the the direction that they've taken is, is troubling, to say the least, um, especially when they, you, you know, when you do your own blog or whatever, you don't have an editor with you, and that can be good, that can be bad, uh, but it's good to have or have someone who's going to rein you in i'm talking about any of us it's not about censorship it's about um standards and we can all end up with a hobby horse of type without really realizing it so years ago you would have had a story and a good editor, I mean, and, and emphasize a good editor, and usually editors had a lot of experience. Okay, maybe with sometimes it was surely just to sell a story and nothing else. However, um, how can we put this? Ever since the internet, any editing, it's now all done by ourselves. There's no real people kind of coming together as a, as a team as much as used to happen. And if they are coming together as a team, they're not usually in the same room. It's usually over Zoom meeting and other things like that. So things are coming a lot more individualized. Things are coming a lot more fragmentary. And there's a pressure, isn't there, to get eyeballs and clicks on stories, on all sorts of things. And what drives views? It's n- negative stories. You go to most YouTube channels, and I followed stuff, and and the videos would not always be about theology. They wouldn't always be about politics or whatever. Some of the stuff is, uh, you know, I go on YouTube, and I'll watch things about working out and things like that. So, But I've always noticed, and this is not just something I've noticed, over the years, especially with the algorithm and YouTube Long story short, YouTube is kind of uh, favoring click-through rates and all that kind of thing. But the way YouTube has changed now, especially in the last five years, probably since around 2015, 2016, roughly around that time, the it does favor n- negative style videos, uh, the, the stuff that people gravitate towards. The problem is that... That balance of other things and other voices and other things that are important to life kind of get drowned out and really a lot of it has gone down that direction and and so has journalism Uh, if you look at the United States take the Trump story and Trump from the left be the CNNs MSNBCs all those in the United States are all obsessed with Trump now Part of that is because, okay, they lost the election in 2016 to Hillary Clinton, all that kind of stuff. They're annoyed. Perhaps they don't have any positive policies and any things they're espousing. They're just really attacking the other side. But apart from all that, apart from all that, there is a, a need for eyeballs, isn't there, on the story? Otherwise, it'll affect it. Advertising, you know, if you're not getting many clicks, imagine if you're a, a you're a journalist and you're writing for a big public publisher, big publications, New York Times, Washington Post, whatever. Um, and I would imagine that in order to, you know, one of your writers isn't getting many views at all. Now, the standard of his journalism might be the best there. Now, years ago, what would happen? You were part of a newspaper. And people would have bought the newspaper because of the standards, and they liked the newspaper, and they would probably read through a fair few pages of it, probably the first few pages. Now it's. People say, well, that's just. You know, you could say the democratization, the people voting with their feet and going towards good stuff—that can happen sometimes. But the problem is with the the nature. That was the, the internet was kind of like that ten years ago. But I think Google, YouTube, and other places have changed in such a way that it has become a lot more clickbaity, a lot more in the direction of TikTok, which is a lot more based upon addiction style, here's what we think you'll like based upon the clicks you've made earlier on. And so there's that pressure not to just do great material, but to get eyeballs. Now, has that pressure always been there to a degree? Of course it has. It was there years ago, obviously, in television. I'm not saying, but it 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 has intensified tenfold or whatever fold you might want to put a number on. And that hasn't been good. That's been good for our society. And I, which is first the chicken or the egg, you know, the the change in society, or has the internet fueled that? I think the internet has undoubtedly fueled the downward spiral and the intensivization of the changes that have come in. Changes have come in really, really quickly. Uh, you see the the killing of George Flo, Flo, um lloyd i never kept up with the story much a couple of years ago but uh, there was um like police killing in united states and in response to that very quickly all around the world to a an incident that had to do with a local police department within the united states And just say you want to say, oh, it had to do with the entire United States. Okay, it had to do with the United States. But what does it have to do, you know, Black Lives Matter and all this kind of stuff. What does that have to do with a police shooting in the United States? What does that have to do with the United Kingdom? What does it have to do with Canada? What does it have to do with Mexico? You know, they've got their own issues. And there's protests. (laughs) I mean, there were protests in 2020 in Belfast, for crying out loud. What has fueled that? The internet. And it spreads everywhere. And that fuels the type of journalism that is being pumped out. It's not some kind of getting together in a dark room. Maybe it is at times, but it doesn't need to be of people plotting together. This is just this is just the atmosphere of the day that supports this kind of thing. And there's a pressure on. And you might say, well, just don't do that and all that. Well, you probably, yeah, you probably won't be able to get a job. Do you know the pressure, you know, especially people are Christians and you're in a job. There are certain pressures to conform. And there's certain pressures to do certain things, sometimes sinful, to be accepted. And you're afraid if you don't do this, this, and this, pick a number of things off the top of your head. And if you don't do that, you're afraid you're going to lose your job at some stage. Let's be honest, we've all been there. We've all had those thoughts in our mind. But yes, journalism has been absolutely horrible in the last couple of years, but think about the few good journalists out there trying to do their job and the absolute insane pressure that they're under to conform to the clickbait culture, to the hit piece culture, trying to find mod on the opposite side, red meat to your base and and even then we're so influenced by the people around us you know it's good to do critiques to the other side I'm not saying that anything never be negative about the do critiques all that kind of thing but I think balanced journalism and balanced other things is kind of going out the window it is good sometimes to talk about things that are not classified as negative. Sometimes the happy talk needs to be put away. Absolutely. But the problem is the, the negative voices are absolutely drowning out any realm of positive truth. Controversy. People love... In a in a metaphorical sense, watching a dog fight, that make it like you get lots of eyes and ears. It, it, you know people, people are shocked and appalled. You know if they walk past, you know if they if you're driving past a car accident, you're more likely to stop what you're doing and look over and see what happened. It, we're, our eyes are drawn toward the catastrophic. And, and then we can think, things have never been worse. Well, if you go throughout history, a lot of the things that we're shocked about today have happened in history. There has been, you know, in the early few centuries after, you know, the after Christ, it would, there would have been, you know, but abortion goes back thousands of years. Even after the babies were born. And, the, you know... But there's then positive stories of, you know, the Christians then adopting and things like that. But, we'll take the topic of abortion, right? And we we should cover the the horrible reality of it, but we can't stop there. We need to cover the horrible reality of it, but then also put across positive things to try and help people try and help mothers have been put under mad pressure and to try and help them to make the right decision that the baby's life will be saved and then try and help them beyond that and especially with the gospel that they need to be saved that's the most important thing so but that's not popular Now, you know, what What would be more popular in that debate, rather than looking at the, the the positive stuff, is perhaps some abortionist in some part of the United States who's saying, I don't know, And there was some video like this a couple of years ago, he was saying something weird, you know, I can't remember what the guy said, but, it, you know, if he said something like, oh, hail Satan or something like that, well, that's going to spread all across the internet. Look how evil these people are. It's a heinous act. I'm not saying we should ignore that. But our minds are supposed to be drawn towards whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things be of good report. But so the Internet has mixed blessings, mixed blessings for journalism. In the early days, it was kind of breaking the stranglehold of the legacy media, wasn't it? To a degree, and, and that's a good thing. I There's a number of them, and they're kind of echo chambers of their own. And it's good for competition, and it's good to be able to compare and be able to get your news in various different ways. That's great. But at the moment, with the way people are trying to, say, control the internet and things like that, There is, especially with the algorithm, even in conservative media, there's a gravitation towards the sensationalistic. There's a gravitation towards um, the negative. There's a gravitation towards other things. Now, a lot of time you watch these videos and they're, they're helpful, they're good, and all this kind of thing. Right, We can include, on the better end of it, like Daily Wire. You know, that's pretty good, and I watch a lot of Daily Wire stuff. But the danger is, you know, they can go over the top at times. And be careful not to look for perfect media, either. You look for the best sources of information you can find. And maybe, you know, we we shouldn't be for our news in order to believe it. Not every per- person reporting that news needs to be a born-again Christian in order that you can believe any of it or get any value from it whatsoever. But we've got to take things in perspective. Perspective of an internal perspective. And a lot of these groups, alternative media, and again, I'm, bi- I'm, a, I'm a fan of it, when it's done right, um, when people are trained and are thinking about journalistic standards and they're doing their best. I'm not, I'm not saying always needs to be perfection, but they're doing their best. And they're they've been trained towards that and they're not just trying to look at me, look at me, look at me. And there are a number out there like that. But that brings me on to thinking about social media. Be that Facebook or whatever. And... There are times over the years you'd see people... I'm talking about... Let's start off with a positive. Sometimes you see people getting to know each other through Facebook and other things and people get married and they have happy marriages. That's great. I know I don't think that should be the norm, but look, when it happens, it's great, okay? But you don't know people on the internet. You do not. It's too easy to fake a picture... And there's so many fake accounts out there right now. But apart from the scams, which seem to be, and it's hard to tell sometimes which are which. Loads of people inbox me. I haven't a clue unless I know you personally. I'm not going to be responding because I get a number of them every day, and I have a clue if these people are real or not. Um, largely because <laughs> usually it starts off at high and. Well, I haven't responded to any of these in years but usually the next request is for money and I've got all these children in this orphanage. Maybe you do but I don't know that and so with the internet you can propose you can show whatever you like. you don't know these people in, in person you can you can show them a certain side of yourself and nothing else. Now, there's different things that can, people can take away from that. Some people, you know, you read their Facebook, maybe even including my own, you know, may seem very argumentative and, you know, maybe seem like a difficult person if you had to meet them side face to face, you know. But maybe it's just because they put the serious stuff on Facebook and then they are a fun person to be around the rest of the time for those people to actually know them. Or the person always puts up funny things on there and you think they're constantly goofball and they're probably not. What I'm saying is you probably only see one tiny slither of them and you see what people want you to see. Whereas in person you see them and you, you know when you visit people's homes and things like that, you get to know them better. So the problem with... Uh, facebook a lot of the time is you really don't know that person the, you know how many times people say, oh i had you on facebook and just won't recognize them at all because they look different from their picture you know sometimes people bump into me and things like that oh I'll get you, you know I added you on facebook or something like that but you just won't recognize them sometimes because they look different from their picture and i'll remember it later maybe so and you you see this you know lighting and all this kind of thing and people look way better than they are what I'm saying is you do not know people through social media. I can think of a handful of times. A very small number of times when I've gotten to know people that way. Um, through the program. Internationally and stuff like that. But. People come across completely different on social media. And it can become an echo chamber of certain views you see when when you're in real life you're gonna be encountered by a range of views you go down to your local shop and you're chatting about things you're gonna be encountered by the range of views on your Facebook account you're gonna be encountered by generally speaking your view and your view only and if anyone doesn't like that well and that's can kind of become the echo chamber and if nobody agrees with you outside well you isolate yourself away in your home. Now, does everybody do that? No. But it can be a temptation for people. We are created in the image of God. We've been created to have relationships with people, our neighbor. And, you know, there's relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. We are created, it's, you know, it was Genesis 2, it's not good for man to be alone. We've been created to have relationships with other image bearers of God. You can't have that relationship. If we discovered nothing <laughs> over the whole lockdown fiasco, it is this, that you can't have fellowship on social media. And Often the problem is with some people who don't, you know, some people don't want to be around people, don't agree with them all the time. And social media can be, you know, look at how orthodox I am, or look at how, and a lot of it is self-serving and self-seeking. There's people, some of the nicest people I know, barely on social media ever, and they're not trying, they're not attention seekers. There's a time to speak up. Don't get me wrong. You know, this is not saying be quiet and don't say anything. And if you've got a message, if you, if you're talented in some area and you're using social media to share it, I say talented in certain in a certain area. I don't mean that as um. I don't mean that that you're a conspiracy theorist and nobody agrees with you. And no, that's not what I mean. I mean you are skilled in a certain area. You have a training in this area for years. You know what you're talking about and you want to use that, maybe for your blogging or whatever, and you're using it in a positive way, keep going, okay? Not criticizing you in any way, shape, or form. Limit the amount of time. Have a limit on how much time you'll spend on there. Don't get a t- a- a- attracted toward how many likes you get and any of that kind of thing. That's the danger. But if you're using it in a way that you're just sharing it, eh, whatever it does, it does. And then whatever. Use it in a limited way. Realizing all these people who are... Message. they're not they don't know you half the time i don't even know if they're real accounts but it's fake much of it much of that's the problem with it it's fake it's make believe it, it's madison avenue it's presenting the side of people that most people want you to see people who look incredibly happy are not as happy as they look and sometimes even vice versa some people look maybe sad in their account are not that way And that's the problem. Go to church. Be a blessing. Don't take the internet or social media as some kind of substitute for this. Use it in a very limited way. Think about it like you use vitamins to supplement your diet or salt to sprinkle on your food. It is a small part. And who knows? You may be... I, I post things on, on Sermon Audio, I record a lot of sermons, I preach and stuff like that, and who knows, somebody might be helped by it, and some, nobody might listen to it, that's fine. The Lord will use it what he uses it. It's almost like the, the blessings of it are very much in line with the printing press, but the problem is the, there was a great difficulty and great expense involved in the printing press. Not every Tom, Dick, or Harry could publish something. But today, every Tom, Dick, and Harry does. And it drowns out the voices of people who tend to know what they're talking about. And we have a society of self-expression. Everybody's got a voice. Well, you may not... There's certain topics I don't want to have a voice in. Because I don't know what I'm talking about in certain areas. And... No. Going back years ago, even to, you know, when the printing press came out, doesn't mean that heretical things didn't get published. They did. They did. But now there's there's new theologies coming around. I mean, think of things like New Covenant theologies, fairly recent phenomenon, repackaged dispensationalism, largely from the Internet. And I I, look, I haven't kept up in years. Last time I checked a couple of years ago, there wasn't really, I think it was only like one or two books really on the topic from that perspective. Now there seems to be more coming out, but it seems to be influencing things through the internet. And perhaps it's people's dispensationalist past and all that, but before it was you published a book and people responded to it and things like that. And I think it's important that books don't go away, physical books and things like that. Um, I was I can't remember where I watched this video but there was a guy he was uh, kind of a type of an entrepreneur something like a TED talk but it wasn't a TED talk but he was talking about why he wasn't on social media and how he's not missing out on anything and in terms of interaction in terms of promotion of his business and things like that and he brought up something that was very, very interesting. He was talking about the kind of the casino-style addiction model that is on a lot of social media p- platforms. You know, when you're on, um, I like got Facebook go and open in front of me here, hit home, and what pops up? Probably people you interact the most with. Not the latest stuff. Generally speaking, isn't it like there's something here from 14 hours ago, uh, four hours ago, and how is it picked that 12 hours ago, stuff that they think, based on various different criteria, likes all that kind of thing, that they think you'll interact with, which can be an inundated inundation with information and it can be addictive addictive especially when you come to videos and other things like that and that can be a problem it can be like a drug to see certain things that may not be the things maybe think people think about. It. it may not be pornography or stuff like that. Well, that's a problem obviously in and of itself of a great evil. But there could be other things. You know just say you're a massive I don't know, Star Wars fan or something like that. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. I like Star Wars myself. But what 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 is what is the internet and everything? You know, they see you looking up that kind of stuff and then what everything popping up into your in your suggestions is related to that keeping you on the internet and away from real life for a bit longer um and with the, the society changing it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon and as Christians especially as Christians who believers in Jesus Christ we've got to I'm not saying abandon the internet, but pull ourselves away from the internet far more than we have been up until this point. And be far more active out in the world. Be far more active in your church. Be far more active in visiting people who are lonely. Are there people in your church who perhaps are alone? Let's not just think, well, that's the job of the minister to visit that person or something like that. No, go in and call in. You know, there's some people who are elderly, they're lonely, and would dearly love a visit. And that will greatly bless their day. These are the kind of things when we get get outside our house when opportunity presents itself that we should do. No. And not looking for Popularity online. Because I can guarantee you're probably speaking. Not all, all, all the time. But if you're popular online. Obviously there are exceptions to this. Lots of exceptions to this. But a lot of the time. People who are popular online. Don't know. Have many lasting meaningful relationships. It's a tragic. Mess. That I think the internet age has created and that can create mental health problems who's going to be there with you when when you have issues when you have problems when you know a loved one passes away and you be there for them as well But if you spend a lot of time on social media, you will notice your outlook in the world will be a lot more negative. And why is that? Because you, you know, a little bit like the old adage, you are what you eat. And how many people who are obsessed with the internet, obsessed with some articles that they read? Look, and I got saved back in 2009 through things I found on the internet. But there's a limitation to it. A lot of the guys I came across first. The stuff I first started reading, a lot lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it wasn't great. A lot of it was pretty bad, you know. A lot of things a lot of churches, maybe not even the best churches in the world, could have warned me against. And could have been pointing me towards people who were better. Not fantastic, but better than what I was reading. So our health suffers From a mental health point of view. You just see it don't you. People are more isolated from each other. We've created an image of God. We're starving ourselves of human interaction. And we're trying to fill that gap. With what? The internet. Not everybody who has these issues. Is caused by this. But it's not helping. (laughs) It's not helping. And um, we need to be aware of that. We need to not just get caught in a spiral of echo chambers and seeking negativity because it can creep into the ministry. Ministers in the gospel got to be incredibly careful of this that our what we're preaching through and everything else is not just stuff about the news cycle. This is nothing new by the way. There was people popular in Spurgeon's Day would have used, would have preached on certain things that would have gotten a lot of attention. Sometimes it's wise to deal with issues of the day. I know people have you know, preached on war and things to do with Ukraine or things like that, and that can be a very useful exercise because, yes, the Word of God has something to say for something of that nature. It does. And look, I, I pretty much, I preach two sermons on Psalm 9, not necessarily topical about Russia and Ukraine, but just talking very much about um, how God would be victorious and how God was a refuge in times of trouble. And we can also think about, with all that, all the things that are happening in the world. when When people are anxious... When people are concerned, when people are sad, where do they run to? They run to God. They're not spending all their time on the internet, getting more and more angry with other Christians who perhaps don't agree with them in some areas. And they're seeing the imperfections in Christians and all this kind of stuff. But, friend, if that's you, think about our own imperfections, there's plenty of them, and we need we need each other, we need each other, so anyway, that's me talking by the internet, Done. let's go on and go to the Westminster Larger Catechism, some positive truth, kind of why I'm glad I introduced this to the program, um, blessing to my own soul to go through this, and uh, we're starting in question 137, And just going to double-check where we finished off the last time. Last time we finished off, question 136. um, Which is the seventh commandment? Now, this is very much going to be dealing with marriage and things of this nature. Question 137. The answer to what is the seventh commandment? The seventh commandment is, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, we look at the negative which is a kind of a summarization of the, the, the that part of the law. But let's look at the Seventh Commandment. What are the duties required in the Seventh Commandment? That's question 138. The duties required in the Seventh Commandment are chastity in body, mind, affections, words, and behavior, and preservation of it in other, in ourselves and others watchfulness over the eyes and over all the senses, temperance keeping of chaste company, modesty in apparel, marriage by those who have not the gift of uh, continency, Uh, conjugal love and cohabitation, diligent labor in our callings, shunning all occasions of uncleanness, and resisting temptations thereon too. Now let's go through this and and break it down piece by piece. Question 138 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. The the Seventh Commandment is not just, well, I didn't commit adultery. Or specify it a little bit more. Physical adultery. A sin where if you've got two people who are married, the other person would have just biblical grounds for divorce. Now, you should try for reconciliation, yes. But the other person's the innocent party, the victim of this... But it's not just that. It includes other things. And it includes chastity in body, mind, affections, words, and behavior. We are not to be lusting after what the world wants us to lust after. We are... To think about we're to have holy affections it says in first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 4 that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor in job 31 verse 1 i have made a covenant with mine eyes why then should i think upon a maid so we are to watch what we watch after and our affections, and how we are to behave ourselves toward, especially those of the opposite sex, chaste nature, holy, not having wrong thoughts, lewd thoughts, Stuff that movies and other things can fill our minds with and fuel our minds with and make us think that these things are acceptable when they're not. And this is all part of the seventh commandment. And it says, "And, and the preservation of it in ourselves and others. So we're not to be a bad influence on others and we're supposed to preserve it in ourselves. Now I know we have failed. In this area. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. But we've got to live idealistically and realistically. Idealistically, we strive toward the perfect standard that is Christ. And we we aim with everything we have to obey every single one of the commandments, to obey the law of God, to be like Christ. But when we do fall down, that we get back up again. Realizing. That there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ for anyone in their thoughts. And look, if you find your mind wandering in those areas, ask the Lord for forgiveness. Uh, preservation in ourselves and others. Watchfulness over the eyes and all the senses. got to be careful what comes across this, our screens. We've got to be careful what comes across our eyes when we're walking around. You know, we may see something out in a you know, maybe a billboard, maybe you have in the States or over here, some advertisement. Maybe you go into a newsstand or you walk into a shop and there's a pretty bad a magazine around. Well, you turn your eyes away from it and you get as far away from it as, as you can. and That may even require you leaving the shop or whatever the case is. Watching us over the eyes and over senses. Temperance. Keeping your chase company. One of the things when I first got saved was I had to, for the sake of my own walk, pull myself away from certain friends who were having a negative impact on my walk with Christ. Now, when you first get saved, you try your best, and you you know you you have a relationship, but it might be limited and things like that. I'm not saying you 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 don't have any contact with anybody who is unbeliever and things like that but some people can have a very very negative impact on you and they're not respectful in certain areas and other things like that and some difficult decisions sometimes have to be made prayerfully so keeping in chase company modesty in apparel so clothing cover up your body, and by the way, this is not just for women, it really frustrates me, that when, when, whenever, whenever modesty of a pearl is talked about, it's always about women, and you, okay, it's a problem, and men are more drawn by the eyes, okay, I, think, I don't think there's anything controversial about that, but we talked about the internet earlier, we've we, And there will be, look, if there's women dressing inappropriately on their profile page or, you know, it's I'll just unfriend them. I don't want that stuff popping up on my feed or things like that. But it's also men. Guys, I know there are men... Who are probably maybe in their 40s and don't think that any woman finds them attractive or whatever else like that. But to have pictures, some who are pastors, half naked on Facebook. does will that not co- how do you know that that will not cause a sister in Christ to stumble cover up your bodies guys men and women i'm not saying you have to dress like little house in the prairie i'm not saying that at all and there can be times in certain circumstances i know like people like to swim that's great Okay, go swimming um, and there's going to be times when, but just make sure it's not a mixed company and make sure it's not pictures stuck up on the internet. Be careful to cause one to stumble. It can happen. It can happen. So this is yes for women, but also for men. So modesty in apparel, marriage by those who have not the gift of uh, continency. And, and some people can be alone and some people should not be. You know, it's, I suppose it depends on age and things like that. So 1 Corinthians 7 two. nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. But if they cannot contain, that's verse 9 of that chapter, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. So, for a lot of people, get counsel from your elders in these areas. But for, I think for a lot of people, putting off marriage, you don't think they're perfect enough. They're struggling with sexual sin. In areas they may not struggle with if they're married. I'm not saying marriage fixes everything now or anything like that, but there's a lot to be said. Well, the, Paul's very clear in First Corinthians chapter seven. It's the norm for people to marry. Some pe- this does not mean if you don't if you don't get married that that means it's horrible and all that kind of thing. No, 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 no. But it's the norm, and it's a good godly thing. To seek after. And we shouldn't be like the early church, you know, from Augustine's time onwards and all that, that's seen, you know, things like sex as a necessary evil, as something inherently dirty. It's a beautiful thing within the bounds of marriage. Which brings us beautifully on to conjugal love. Don't defraud each other. Um, don't love your spouse. Love each other. And be closer to... This is the person you should be closer to than any other person on the earth. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now... Probably going to finish off in a few minutes. I'm going to go, maybe stop around a little bit after 50 minutes. Um, and cohabitation—the only person you cohabit with is your spouse, your husband, or your wife. Um, it is wrong for girlfriends and boyfriends, all this kind of thing, to be doing that. It will cause you to fall into sexual sin, and that's why it's it's not good to. We'll get onto this in a second, but not good to put off marriage too long. Because if you want to marry somebody, you're attracted towards them. Of course, you are. If you're not, there's something wrong. But but to wait too long can put additional pressures on. You don't have to have all the money lined up. Not everything has to be perfectly lined up. Okay. So diligent labor in our callings. Working hard, various things. Shunning all occasions of uncleanness and resisting temptations thereunto. There's one more question we're going to do here. What are the sins forbidden in the Seventh Commandment? The Seventh Commandment forbid... For the sins forbidden the Seventh Commandment besides the neglect of duties required. Okay, there's duties required in our, in our marriages. It says, Our adultery, fornication, rape, incest, sodomy, and all unnatural lusts. All unclean Im- imaginations, thoughts, purposes, and affections... All corrupt or filthy communications or listening thereunto, wanton looks, impudent or light behavior, immodest apparel, prohibiting of lawful and dispensing with unlawful marriages, allowing, tolerating, keeping of stews and resorting to them, entangling vows of of single life, so that's when you're promising, I'm going to stay single. And you, you you vow there, and you really, really shouldn't. Undue delay of marriage. Again, the norm is to marry. It doesn't mean everybody has to, but it's the norm. Having more wives or husbands than one, than one at any one at the same time. Not as popular, much of a big deal today. Unjust divorce or desertion. Idleness, gluttony, drunkenness, unchaste company. Lysivish songs, books, pictures, dancings, stage plays, and all other provocations to acts of uncleanness, either in ourselves or others. So anything that would defile the purity of the marriage, anything that would damage that relationship, and what would damage that relationship? Adultery, well, that's an act of unfaithfulness, which would, um, could allow the other Innocent party to divorce the other one in a biblical way. But we're not, it's not the desirable outcome. Usually reconciliation is, if possible. Rape. That doesn't really need to be commented on much, really. Um, An evil, evil act. Incest. um, Wicked as well, within... within the flesh sodomy with be things uh, contrary to nature and on on all unnatural lusts that's something we forget about all unnatural lusts so for the revoice guys in the PCA and for those who are trying to find like this kind of middle way between the gay Christian movement and there's there's parts of Christianity today that say well it's not the affections you can't do anything about them They've kind, of bo- they've kind of bought the whole Born This, born this Way th- thing and all this kind of thing. Um, having lusts that are unnatural, like, for example, natural things to desire is food. Um, to be attracted to somebody of the opposite sex is a natural thing. Now, it can be a lust if it goes you know beyond... Um, a certain point to lust after and to desire that person, in, you know, in, in an unnat- in a way that is not appropriate. But it is a natural desire. An unnatural desire is to desire somebody of the same sex in any way, shape, or form, or anybody outside of that. And it can that includes animals and everything else. Anything unnatural, anything outside of that, um, it's sinful. The desire itself. Is sinful. All unclean imaginations, thoughts, pur- purposes, and affections. All corrupt or filthy communications or listening thereunto. You need to be careful, <laughs> you know, and what we're listening to. A wanton looks, that's basically lusting toward another person. Impudent and, or light behavior. Immodest apparel. Again, this is kind of linking what we said before about dressing modestly. Again, not just for the women. This is usually something maybe women may be told to do, la la la. And it's true, and but for the men too. Men can dress immodestly as well, and frankly, I think more often could be just as guilty. Prohibiting of lawful and dispensing with unlawful marriages—again, anything that damages the marriage. Um, skipping on here a bit. Uh, Any vows to do with single life, um, undue delay of marriage. Anything that would take away from the importance of marriage, I would say, that this kind of includes, unjust divorce, desertion, idleness, gluttony. It's an interesting one. I never really thought about that. Idleness, gluttony, I suppose, because when we don't take care of ourselves, it can have an impact on how we are and our, our health, and that will impact on our marriage. So, gluttony is a synonym of itself, but drunkenness, that will have an impact on, on the marriage. Uh, it's funny, you know, this is the wonderful thing about going through the, we- the Westminster Larger Catechism. You think, I never thought of that. But it does tie in. Unchased Company, like Chivers' songs, uh, there, pff, there's lots of them today, unfortunately, and be careful on YouTube with that kind of thing. Um, books, pictures, dancings, stage plays, um, anything that would make us Think unshaste thoughts about another person and other provocations to acts of uncleanness either in ourselves or others. So we need to protect our hearts and look, it's not just going to be like keeping a list of, hey, here's a lot of things I'm not going to do. I'm going to work my hardest. Willpower, willpower, willpower. You're going to fall down in that. The more we love Christ, the more we're going to hate our sins. Spend much time alone with the Lord. Spend much time, and we will talking about marriage. Spend much time with your spouse, with your love. This has been Paul Flynn. Thank you so much for listening in. Hopefully, we get, there'll be a program again probably next week. But uh, keep checking at com. That's Megiddo radio M-E-G-I-D-D-O, radio.com. You can email me at Megiddo radio at gmail.com. This has been Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.